podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. <sighs> we did it. I still can't believe we got this project done so fast and so well. When I'm in New York. I'm in Chicago. And I'm in L.A. But we're making it happen in Miro. Together. Our best work just happens faster on Miro's collaborative online whiteboard. No more scheduling meeting after meeting for work that could happen from anywhere. Whether it's getting design feedback here, mapping timelines here, or brainstorming next steps here. It all just happens on the Miro board. Exactly. And it's nice not having to wait an entire day to get sign off from this guy. Hey! Well, it is true. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com. The first three boards are free forever. That's M I R O.com. Hey guys, welcome to Leading Edge Cricket Podcast, a podcast that feels refreshed. Lots of new faces on the channel, lots of new listeners to the podcast through podcast platforms, and a refreshed duo. Why are we fresh? Ooh. Because there's been a week off between test matches and England haven't been rolled by India this week. I am Rob. This <laughs> is Rich. Welcome to the Fresh Face Podcast. <laughs> How's it going, Rob? We all good? Oh, we're, we're excellent, mate. We're, we're excellent. I appreciate a week off between test matches. It gives a time for reflection. And yes. this channel and our podcast, it's been a very successful couple of weeks. Lots of new people yeah. coming into the channel and getting involved in the chat. We've had over 120 comments on YouTube that's all been replied to over the last week. So that's been fantastic engagement. Lots of really good cricket conversation with lots of different fans. If you're mm. listening elsewhere, come check us out on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, if for some unknown reason you want to come and have a look at us as well as listen to us, come along, come on, come and join us. Yeah, it's been great. It's been a really cool week, hasn't it? Loads of chat, loads of interaction, which is so much fun as well, just to, uh, as we build up, you know, and one of the big things is this test series, isn't it? It's not just England India anymore. It just feels even bigger than that. It just it, it's almost got an ashes sort of feel to it, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's just a shame we, we get it on terrestrial TV. It can be like 2005 all over again. <laughs> oh, those those were the days, mate. Classic days, mm. classic intros. Bit of Jeffrey, mm-hmm. bit of Mark Nicholas commentary going oh. on. It doesn't. It, the world didn't get any better. No, given the moment, given the man, mm-hmm. cricket, all that stuff. As an English cricket yes. fan, and hopefully we're going to see a. a I can't say rise from the ashes because then it thinks like <laughs> I'm talking about the ashes. But English Test match cricket is in a little bit of the doldrums. We did the yeah. Test review podcast last time around, and I think there's a little bit more to go through. There's not huge breaking news, but we do have no. discussions around the ground and about what England might do with the squad over the next next couple of days. Yeah, it's all a bit quiet, isn't it? And it's um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think generally with English, English cricket, if it's quiet, it's probably a good thing. There's no traumas going on. You watch, as soon as I've said that, we'll probably get breaking news that someone snapped in half in training. Um, but the, the big question mark really around the England side is Mark Wood's fitness, isn't it? He is the, the last man standing in the pace man uh, you know, lineups. There's no one really without genuine wheels, unless you want to get Tim or Mills to come in and bowl four overs at a time. Um, or five balls, ten balls, five twenty balls. balls. It's cool these days. Work. Bowl five Formats. balls. I would love it mm-hmm. in the test match if someone bowls his five balls, goes to take his cap and walk off. <laughs> <laughs> Could happen in the future. Could happen. <laughs> Good but, uh, but yeah, there's not a lot of uh, news going on at the moment, is there? You know, the test match starts on Wednesday. We're, we are into test match week, mm. aren't we? The third test at Headingley. As we know, it's one nil to India. Well deserved one nil. Um, even though that first game was clearly going to be an England win. Obviously not. 
Um, but um, yeah, it, it's all, all ahead of us. I mean, we spoke in the last pod about what we thought the lineups might be. Yeah. Yet, had any more thinking about that, Rob? Yeah, you, you know, you I have. Your ideas? Mm-hmm. I have. And the, the one thing that I, I think is the right decision, England's already made it, is Moe Nelly plays as a spinner to give us that extra batting um, option. I was looking at yeah. Moe Nelly as a player at Headingley. He's played mm. there and he averages 53, scored over 100 runs there. So he, you've got a little bit of consistency to go at the ground. Mm. I also really, really think that Mark Wood should be rested. This England pace, mm. it's not a quartet. There's a double quartet. It's a whole orchestra <laughs> of bowlers are ravaged by in- injury. And that's not an excuse for losing. It's just the facts that England yes. have all these bowlers injured. What you don't want to do is you one bowler that's fit that can bowl 90 mile an hour because Stone's out, Archer's out for mm. forever and a day. Mm. You've, got to, you've got to keep him fit. He may play the fourth test. You've got to put yourself in mm. contention to play those and you need him fit for the Ashes and you might even need him fit for the T20 World Cup if he makes the squad. So the bigger picture is he, in my mind, is not playing in this test. And given the result of what happens mm. in this third test, this might be the last you see of Jimmy Anderson in this series as well. They might start mm. to think about what they do because this is three test matches with a week mm. off in between, but quite a, quite a heavy workload for Jimmy. Yeah, I was just wondering that, actually. I was just wondering about how they might do it. But obviously, it was back-to-back tests after this. It, it does make you wonder whether or not they may say to Wood, play in this one, and then yeah. we'll shut you down. Yeah, It might be that they say, you know, Jimmy, in another situation, it might have been good for him to sit out this one if we had Broad, if we had Wokes, etc. And Joffre, Jimmy probably wouldn't be playing all five. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how they do manage that workload as they go forward. Workload, obviously, being a big thing again. Joss Butler just put a little bit of an article in the Times over the weekend talking about how He's open to no, basically saying no to touring Australia over the winter, uh, depending on how how the uh, the Australian regulations are with family touring. So these are the things that are going on in England players' minds at the minute, which is really frustrating in some ways, obviously, because we have an Indian Test series straight in front of us, but they are looking ahead to the to the Test winter. Dangerous precedent, isn't it? Looking too far ahead. You know, you should oh, be yeah. the next test match, let alone the next series. Um, so lots going on. And um, yeah, we'll see. As, as for India, no more news coming out of there as well. Like we both said, I think we'd both really like to see Ashwin come in for Jadeja. No criticism of Jadeja, but it really would be nice to see him come in. But it's finally balanced, all ready to go. Um, England at Headingley. What do you reckon, Rob? Uh, it's it's an interesting record at Headingley, Rich, to be honest, because Headingley was uh, Ben Stokes's moment he scored 135 mm. at Headingley incredible knock but at the same time 2017 so we played there three times in the last five years 2017 we lost to the West Indies they knocked off 322 for five mm. incredible performance from them so it's not England's happiest hunting grounds despite the Ashes victory that was going mm. on one of the, the interesting things that you think about Headingley is you always go Headingley well, it's a seamless paradise. It's it's swinging round corners. It's not quite Headingley of 1990 ilk with Darren Goff reversing it back in and Craig White. It doesn't quite have that feel. Bowlers at Lords have far more, far more success than they do as head, at Headingley as a seam bowler by about four or five points on averages. 22 at Lords, 27 at Headingley. But, and this can play into England's favour, if they get their team selection right and India don't, because India have got their team selection wrong before. Remember, they played the Test World Championship 
play too many spinners on the wettest mm. deck where it's seeming round more than it's ever done. Heading league mm. spinners last five years average 48 and a strike rate of 92 with the ball. So you've got to okay. make sure that your bowling quartet is able to really carry the load. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing we just you know, floated the idea of, you know, you wonder if they do make a tweak in that four bowling attack, forget about Jadeja for a sec, but the actual four bowlers, we thought maybe if they bring Ashwin in to strengthen the batting for one of those four seamers, but let's we're, we're basically saying that that's not going to happen. They're going to go in just with that one spinning all-rounder, aren't yes. they? Yep. Um, and then the four seamers. Um, I think, like we said before, I think India go unchanged. I don't think they'll they'll get themselves into any bother with selection um, yeah. for this this test. I think it's England which will come, you know, a little bit more under the microscope. As we said, Jack Leach is is on standby, so he's not available mm. as it stands. But if they if something extreme happens, I mean, the, if if Moen Ali goes down for whatever reason, then we are in trouble because then the whole balance of the team changes, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah um, it and it just would become a bit of a mess. Um, I wonder weirdly if if uh, Jack Leach, uh, sorry, if Moeen Ali was anything was to happen in, in, into the build-up, whether they'd actually look more at Don Best coming in, even though he's not on standby. But anyway, this is all just tangent stuff. So we've got that test match coming. I'm looking forward to it. You're looking forward to it. Obviously, as soon as it gets here, we're going to be all over it. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot more to talk about today. We, it's a bit of a catch-up, isn't it? A lot of things are coming to a head at the moment. Uh, we've got some news. We've got some World Cup news. We've got some player movements. It's that time of the English summer. But we've yeah. also got the 100 that's just finished, the men and the women. We've got the T20 that's getting back underway. County Championship starts again uh, next week, or at least in the next week. Red Bull cricket, come on. Love it. Um, and we've also got the forgotten Royal London One Day Cup as well, which came to a head last week. So, Shall we crack on with a bit of that as well? Let's crack on. Let's start in T20 world, but not domestic T20. Let's go Ooh. big. Let's go UAE Amandi. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so good, isn't it? We've got a World Cup to look forward to. We've got an India Test Series. We've got three more tests. We've got an Australia Ashes. We've got a World Cup to just cram in the middle of those two. It's just a, a World Cup sandwich. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the news we have this week is that we have fixtures. We finally have some structure. We have... What you know, we know now what's going to kick off. So we have the 17th of October is the first round fixtures. So that is Group A and Group B. That's kind of like a knockout, isn't it? You know, progressing the winners and runners up yeah. of two things like Super 12s and World Cups, don't they? But the first fixture will be on 17th of October. The host Oman against Papua New Guinea. Now, host there, Oman. It's supposed to be an absolutely gorgeous ground. Uh, the setting, anyway. So I'm really looking forward to seeing this. Um, so they're going to be hosting some of the games, but it's also going to be in the UAE as well. So the two groups, we have Sri Lanka, Ireland, Papua New Guinea and Oman in Group A, and then Bangladesh, Namibia, Netherlands and Scotland in Group B. Very quickly, Rob, who's your winners and who's your runners-up? Who's going through to the Super 12s? Uh, well, two teams go through from each group. One will go yep. through to Super 12s in one group, one into the other. Group A, yep. Sri Lanka are definitely going through. Ooh, and okay. I'm pulling massively left field from this group and I'm going Papua New Guinea. What happened? To, what's wrong with Ireland? Why suddenly <laughs> do you hate Ireland? There's, there's a couple of reasons I'm going, going Papua New Guinea. 61 nations started in this competition to try and get these slots in 2018. Yep. There was 14 qualifiers in this competition in October 2019, played mm. in UAE and Papua New Guinea were the first team to qualify from everyone there. Now, I've looked through the squad. I don't know anyone that's playing there. Plus, my <laughs> wife was born in Papua New Guinea. So, allegiances 
to all right you're locked in that's it I, I, for me sri lanka and ireland go through yeah. uh papua new guinea sounds like you've done a great job guys but uh, sorry you are not progressing group b i'm going for bangladesh and yes. this is a tricky one i think scotland will sneak in yeah um over ne- that's, that's, i think it's i think both tough groups but i think group b is a little bit tougher with netherlands in there as well could be any of those three so oman also home advantage on group a rob so you never know. But yeah, for me, Sri Lanka, Ireland, Bangladesh, okay. Scotland will progress through. Yeah, that's fair enough. And it, that creates a really interesting situation in the Super 12. So the Super 12, Group 1, I remember I'll put some graphics on the screen. Group 1, Australia, South Africa, West Indies, England, plus two of the teams coming through. Group 2, This Oof. bear in mind, this is UAE and a man. So we're talking mm. subcontinent. India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, possibly Bangladesh winning Group B and poor old New Zealand trying to play against four teams uh, more au fait at playing in those um, conditions. That is yeah. an incredibly difficult group. You could even, if Sri Lanka don't quite get out the traps and Ireland win Group A, you could also see Sri Lanka added to that mix. That's, that's New Zealand... Tough. Get your spinning bat out. That's all I'm going to say. That's <laughs> tough. Talk, talking to New Zealand, Rich, there's, there's there's been some good things coming out about the T20 World Cup for New Zealand. Yep. And a couple of controversies, but Shane Bond is staying on from the IPL and is joining up with the New Zealand team. Now, Shane Bond's one okay. of the best bowling coaches in world cricket. Mm-hmm. Heaps of experience in the IPL. So he's going to have a lot that he can give um, mm. into this team, which is really good. But it's almost like they've they've reached the point, and it is like that. We remember when it was the ICC Test World Championship, which New Zealand won, by the way, every time. I've just got to say that. Um, Apologies all. Apologies. They'll get over it. The first thing they've ever won. (laughs) It is. Um, But we spoke about them being at the peak, and Mm. a lot of those players were either end of life, end of life Mm. of a Test cricketer, and things moving on. Well, you're starting to see that in the team that's been selected. Ross Taylor is not in the T20 World squad, uh, mm. World Cup squad. He's mm. been an excellent cricketer for many a year, but that looks like it's T20 time done for him. Finn mm. Allen misses out, who's been doing well in the T20 Blast yeah. in England, as well as the mullet, the finest sexual hair in all of cricket. Colin de Granholm is not Grandma. in that squad. The big man, the big man. That's a bit of a shocker, that is, isn't it? it, it the squads are starting to just drip in at the moment, aren't they? I know Australia mm. have also announced theirs. Um, and we'll be all over that before the World Cup. But yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm, it just shows you the sort of you know, riches that, um, I don't mean me, obviously. Uh, I just mean the riches that New Zealand are picking from at the moment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, more power to them. Um, it's, it's Just bring it on. 23rd of October, we see the first day of the World Cup proper. No disrespect to you, Group A and Group B people. But yeah, Australia, South Africa in Abu Dhabi, followed by England, West Indies in Dubai on that first day. That's going to be a cracker. Bring yeah. it on. But one question. obviously... One question. Red Bull first. One you're, question. That's all you're allowed. You're, that's all you've got. Australia. Australia yes. are in strife, Cobber. Strife, mate. Yep. They're in strife, mate. They are mm-hmm. absolutely shot at the moment. They couldn't win a T20 <laughs> series, even if they picked Bradman and Smith and Ooh. Mark Taylor opening the batting, Michael Slater. They would not win Can a I- T20 Can cricket. I just jump in a fraction there, just a little bit? You know, that does not sound like a particularly good T20 side to me. <laughs> no, it doesn't. This is probably why they keep losing. <laughs> they probably get 80 off 20 overs with that team if they're lucky. <laughs> yeah, they don't hit the ball in the air. Yeah. But they're in strife. They're losing game of cricket. They've picked the team. 
absolutely fine. And we're going to touch on some of the players in it later on. Excellent squad, potentially, but huge rift going on in Cricket Australia at the moment. Mm. Now, I don't know how much of that gets replayed into the English media. Yeah, Basically, word is coming out. Players are really, really unhappy with Justin Langer. And it's starting to feed out into the media. Aaron Finch is having to cover things up by saying it's disappointing. It's not a great look. We don't want things to get out. They're talking about Justin Langer's emotional temperament being around the dressing room. There's a, a lot of trouble for a team that a year ago was number one in the ICC test rankings and T20 rankings. It has all come crashing down at the wrong time. Yeah. Can I just say, <laughs> give me all of it. Give me all of this, all this chaos. This is what we want. This is what we live for. Um, it's really good. And Justin Lang is fine, though. There's no problems, Rob, because he's been given a vote of confidence. So a vote of confidence in sport basically means that you're absolutely fine and nothing bad's about to happen. No, of course not. Of course Honest. not. You know when it went downhill? <laughs> It went downhill as soon as Tim Payne turned around to India at the third test and said, wait till we see you at the Gabba, and then went and got beaten, <laughs> lost the series. It has been all downhill since then. Shambles, shambles. We love it. We love a bit of chaos down under. Um, yeah, so, so that's the World Cup. It, it, we will, like Rob said, we will get into that, obviously, as we get closer to it. But it's just interesting to see that the fixtures, we have dates, we can pencil them in the diary, pen them, book your day off work, whatever you need to do uh, to make sure you're watching those games as they get kicked off. Um we're getting to that time of year now, Rob, where there's a lot of transfers of cricketers in, in English county cricket, which is quite interesting to me because there's some big names that are moving around. What tends to happen now, instead of it being after the season, it's usually towards the end of the season. They sort of go on loan until the end of the year and then they start their new contracts in the next yeah. summer. But some really, really big names. And I think we just want to just blast for a few. There's some interesting ones as well because we've got some country transfers as well, which seems quite bizarre. Yeah. But that's, that's the way cricket seems to be. But big ones first. Um Hampshire involved in both of these two big ones. Um, Sam Northeast, Hampshire to Yorkshire. He was under contract for next year as well, but his mutual decision was taken for him to move on. So Yorkshire have another signing. Um, I always get a bit grumpy because Notts are always the county that people criticise because they're always signing people from other counties. Yeah. I'm sorry, but there's a number of counties out there that are doing exactly that now. And Yorkshire and Hampshire are certainly two of those. But Hampshire to Yorkshire for Sam Northeast and Nick Gubbins, a man that I really, really wanted to see in the England side at some point, he's decided he needs to get a fresh uh, fresh start and he's moved to Hampshire from Middlesex, replacing Northeast. Yeah. Um, chance for him to kick on again. So that's first couple, Rob, anything to say? Yeah, the, the interesting choices of counties, you know, as people historically over the last 10, 15 years have moved around, Yorkshire's mm. been a good place for them to go as of late and Hampshire's mm. been a good place for people to go and reignite the career over the last 10, 15 yeah. years. So I don't think there's any coincidence about those changes except Sam Northeast moving from Hampshire down south up to North Yorkshire is probably in for a bit of a grim awakening in the summer <laughs> when it's freezing cold in three jumpers but I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think they both are ready for a for a chance Nick Gubbins came in with a, a good reputation but mm. he's never gone past the guy that can average 32 34 in first yes. class cricket yeah. and we've said before on the podcast but Trescothic averaged that but Trescothic had something yeah. different about him he was a different opener to anyone else around mm. whereas Gubbins just hasn't quite kicked on to the next level. Only scoring 10 first-class centuries at an average of mm. 34 in his career. Not quite good enough. Sam Northeast as well. Falls into mm. the sneaky old category, Sam Northeast now. He has been around a long time, 180 yeah. first-class matches. Averages 38 with the bat, which is a great record. But mm. I think he had a really good start. And then he just kind of 
Your challenge, if you choose to accept it, is this. Let's go, let's go! Show up on day one, work out with us for 30 minutes, feel good right away. Yo! Repeat five days a week for three weeks. Three weeks? Five workouts a week. We're body, and we call that a body block. You pick the block, and you're going to love the experience. On week four, this part is really important. Take the week off. Seriously, we mean it. Rest, go on vacation, or try something new. Maybe some yoga. Notice you're not holding on to any tension here. Or a dance class. Get sexy with it, daddy. You do you. And then start again. Be committed to this process. Choose a new body block each month. Get a new challenge each month. Have fun every day. Avoid burnout. You're not going to quit on yourself today. This is how you reach your goals. You in? There is nothing that we can't do if we work together. Sign up for your first body block today. Visit body.com for a free trial. That's B-O-D-I are you ready to get started never materialized into the player that he could be for someone that is apparently a you know we talk about billy sports can play mm. everything this guy national school rackets champion county squash player cross, cross country runner good enough for trials oh, for i don't want to hear this i don't want to hear this it sickens me these people that are multi-talented it just it's, it just share it around a little bit exactly. so greedy. writes the theme tune sings the theme tune he literally <laughs> does it all um, yeah, but I'm telling you, he's not going to play for England. So he's not going to play know. for England. So, so they. You <laughs> sorry, when, sorry. You peaked when you were a teenager. <laughs> Overwhelmed with jealousy there. So, yeah, it's an interesting move for him. Gubbins, I think he has to be looking at that as a move to say there are so little England openers options at the moment. Yeah. Alex Lees, we spoke about. Gubbins should be up there as well, just thinking I've got an opportunity if I can kick on at Hampshire. Um, a really exciting young player for me, Finn Hudson Prentice. He's moved from Derbyshire back to Sussex, where he started. He's 25 now, all-rounder, great hair, um, a really improving cricketer as well. So he's making that move. Um, I'm really impressed with this guy. I think he's a really good cricketer. Another young player, Alex Davis, has gone from Lancashire to Warwickshire. It's an interesting one. It's a yeah. surprise to me as well. Great Three-year deal. Yeah, wicketkeeper batsman. He's played in the 100 recently. He's 26. Yeah. Uh, so he's not a young young guy, you know, on the way up. But, uh, you know, he's at that point now where he needs to be a key player somewhere. Looking to compete for titles. Great multi-format player. And he's, he's hit you know, 4,700 runs, basically. First class at 37. Um, plenty in list day and T- T20 as well. Good, solid averages. Um, that's yeah. an interesting one for me. So a couple of relatively young players making positive moves. Hudson Prentice, he's going to be a senior player of that Sussex team. You know, I think half the team can't buy a drink yet. Yeah. So, so twenty five. He's ancient. There. It, it is a good young bowling lineup, though, and if you've got it's to be highly lineup as well, thought mm. of to mm. go to that unit. So they obviously do mm. think a lot of him. Twenty three wickets at twenty three this year. Mm. His his batting's not really lighting up the world at all. But he's young, and you never know what mm. can become of players. It only takes a mm. few years for them to develop. The the Alex Davies, I think, is the the shock change for me because whenever I watch Lancashire and I've got to see them quite a bit because they've been on YouTube all the time and they've got quite an exciting lineup mm. generally to see. Mm. To me, he's about the best player in that team, no matter yeah. what the format that he's playing in. When I watch him in T20 Blast, he goes bang, 127 strike rate, 1500 runs in 63 T20 Blast mm. games, 580 runs at 48, 650s this year. There's a level of mm. consistency about his game. He's played England Lions at T20 cricket back in 2018. It's bright. It's really bright. He surely can't be that far off being in a discussion around this England team if Joss Butler's form just doesn't materialise mm. anything over the next eight test matches through the ashes. 
Yeah, he's, he's gone a little bit under the radar, hasn't he, with regard to England conversation? And I don't know exactly why that is. Um, obviously, there's just something there that the pundits or the folks that like to fire over the next player, you know, yeah. they just don't seem to see. So, obviously, there's a reason he wants to move. Maybe he wants more, uh, you know, more limelight, more mm. up there. You know, I don't know, Lancashire have been a good side, but, you know, Warwickshire may be one of the more solid sides at the moment. So, He's obviously got his reasons. He's he's going for a fresh challenge, which a lot of these moves are, aren't they? So yeah. it's not people just going to just hide away somewhere. So that's good for him. Surrey, always in the market. Another county that, I mean, they're a tough one because they need to sign players because they have so many England players. And they're going to have some more in the future as well. There's Will yeah. Jacks, there's, there's Jamie Smith, who I think looks exceptional. Um, so some players that really impress. But they've um, they've brought a couple in and they've moved one on. So Mark Stoneman continues the, the, uh, the batting um, sort of, movement doesn't it with northeast and gubbins yeah um, and stoneman's going to go and replace gubbins at middlesex so he's moving across london three-year deal for the 34 year old former england opener and durham opener if you remember as well yeah. uh, he turned down a contract offer and makes the move after five years at surrey so a really experienced head to, to top that lineup makes me wonder if maybe hashim amla maybe won't be around next year i don't know nothing's been announced yet but uh, i can't imagine they're going to be carrying too too many mid 30 year old players mm. um Going into Surrey, though, Scott Steele, dream come true for the 22-year-old leg spinning around. He spent time on loan this summer with Hampshire, and now he's making the move to Surrey. Um, he's already moved over there, actually. So that's, a, that's an interesting one for him. He's an ascending player. And this is a really interesting one for me. Dan Worrell, mm. the Dan Worrell, the Australian Dan Worrell. He's signed a three-year deal and will play domestic as a domestic player on an English passport. Uh, so he's 30. He's played three ODIs for Australia back in 2016. Had a few county uh, cricket spells. Um, but that's a really interesting one. So he's another one. So I think they've had two or three players over the years, haven't they? They've sort of moved across and given up their county. I mean, we had the big, uh, the big South African. I forget his name at the moment. He moved over to Surrey for a few years. Morkel. Um, Morkel, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's another one that just escapes me. Um, another South African. Ah, I can't think of Dwayne his name. Olivier. Dwayne Olivier. Yorkshire. Yeah. Yeah, the guy that looks like he sounds like he's got F's in his surname, but there's none to be found. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so sorry, doing lots of business. And lastly, before I let you just jump in on one or two of those, Stian Van Zyl, he's Sussex. He was a South African. He moved across uh, four years he's had now in Sussex. 33-year-old left-hander. He's returning back to South Africa. Basically, the Sussex revolution is youth. So a 33-year-old um, South African, he's, it's no place for him, really. 12 test caps prior to his move from South Africa as a coal pack in 2017. So we'll be moving back over there. Whether he's got international ambitions, I don't know, but he's back, moving back over to Boland um, over there. So, yeah, lots of moves already. I'd expect a few more, obviously. Yeah, um, but yeah, just, time. Just, yeah, just tell them, you know, anything jumps out over those uh, over those last few, few players um, I just picked out. Scott, Scott Steele, slightly under the radar, but he's part mm. of Scotland's 40-man squad for the T20 World Cup at the moment. That's gone well, under why the they, radar. Why are they allowed 40? That's not I, don't, I don't know. Maybe they started off with 40 players in Scotland <laughs> and they've got to work it down. Um, mm. But yeah, one to watch. The, the Stoneman one is, I think, is it comes down to how many years Surrey offered him. That's generally when you get to that age. You want as many yeah. year contract as possible. They might have offered him a, a one or a one with maybe a plus one if you've got mm. so, so many runs or whatever or so many appearances. Three-year contract, age 34, almost 35, is absolutely incredible. A lot of faith being shown in him, but quite rightly so. He plays really good first-class cricket, 473 runs at 31, and really good one-day cricket still in the Royal London Cup, 329 at 54. So can play... A lot of mm, competitions. Good player. The Dan Worrell move, I've not got to the bottom of 
why. However, his form in Australian cricket in the Sheffield Shield was abysmal. Mm. Now, that's not me saying I've seen him bowl every single performance that he's mm-hmm. gone onto the pitch and done. That's me looking through the statistics and going, okay, this guy's got 12 wickets at 45 from five first-class games. There's only 10 first-class games in a season in Australia, mm-hmm. remember. So he's had a really, really poor Sheffield Shield, and mm. it might come down to contracts and money. There's only five first-class states that you can play for Mm. in australia there's not that many spaces so if you don't perform you're not going to play you're not going to get paid and we're all in the business of trying to get paid except the podcast Mm. which doesn't make any money yet but one day (laughs) we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get there yeah that's it and fair play to i mean it's an interesting one i'm sure we'll find out more as as we as it goes forward but uh but yeah it's a good name for sorry it gives them a bit more experience doesn't it as well international experience so Good one. A few retirements just to catch up with now. Ricky Clark, the man that makes me feel good because he's, he's about as grey as I am. Uh, <laughs> and he's a bit younger, which is great. Only a little bit less. Um, two county championship titles. He's took 225 first-class wickets and 1,100s. Quality player. Obviously, played a bit of English cricket as well. Um, so, good luck to him. Uh, Tim Grunewald, 37-year-old Kent Seamer. Bit of a frustrating one for him. Injuries forced this decision after 16 seasons. Um longevity rob uh, ex derbyshire somerset and warwickshire bear made his debut back in 2006 and 625 wickets as well as a useful 3000 runs good on him uh, josh poison as well yorkshire leggy he's called it a day a uh, bit of a younger guy that is so fair play to all those guys but ricky clark he's the he's the big name there isn't he yeah i'd, I'd say so mate england test player mm. two test 21 mm. days for england wasn't a bad one day player either never really got many runs for england he did get 50 in test match cricket but 11 mm. wickets at 37 with the ball, economy of 5.53, wasn't quite mm. good enough to take the, the step up. But a little bit, not like a Darren Stevens, but huge longevity is to, to his career playing up to the age of 39 and still mm. being able to perform. If you see Surrey, um, when they've been playing on TV or on YouTube, always chipping in with wickets, always performing, always adding value mm. to the youngsters around him. So I'm sure in that Surrey dressing room, he's going to be sorely missed. Yeah, absolutely. So so that's where we're up to with, with movements. Like I say, there will no doubt be a lot more. But what we are up to now as well, we're going to catch up with the 100 and the Royal London, which is finished. But one thing we need to look ahead though is this week we have the original, the OG white ball cricket is back, Rob. Vitality Blast T20. Love it. Proper yeah, white ball on. cricket. <laughs> Whatever our opinions of 100, it's, it's nice to see this competition back because this is what we know, isn't it? This is what we're all about. So um, quarterfinal stage, we have completed the group stages before the 100. Uh, the Newf, North group, Newf, the North group was won by Knott's even, whilst the Red Bull struggling to Kent top the South group, which is really a big one for them. So how it shakes out this week, I think from tomorrow... Uh, we have Yorkshire Vikings versus Sussex Sharks, Knotts Outlaws against Hampshire Hawks, Somerset. I don't think they're bothered about having a nickname, so it's just Somerset. Maybe we can give them one, Rob. Maybe think of one. <laughs> Somerset versus Lancashire Lightning and Kent Spitfires versus Birmingham Bears. Yeah. Not the Birmingham Phoenix, but Birmingham Bears. So up to now, there's a few stars I'd just like to pick out of this competition before we you know, say anything about who we think may, will make finals day. But for me, Leicestershire Foxes, Aussie batsman Josh Inglis, who has made his way into that Australian World Cup squad, hasn't he? I think it's his first call-up. Uh, he's the first man ever to hit two centuries in the same year of the T20 Blast, so good on him. And he's topped the run scoring with 531 runs. Kiwi Glenn Phillips as well hit 500 for Gloucestershire, followed by Yorkshire's Harry Brook and that man, the evergreen Alex Hales, that Owen Morgan still doesn't like. 
Um, with the ball, Afghani, Naveen, Ulhaq, top of the charts with 26 wickets, followed by Middlesex's Blake, Cullen and Little Chef, Sam Cook of Essex. Um, anyone of those? I mean, I'm sure you're going to be interested in Glenn Phillips. Glenn Phillips, massively. I'll start off with Inglis, who has been exceptional. Got himself mm. a call up to the 100, where the stars go play, where the big boys play. Oh, yeah, Hollywood, basically. Um, okay in the 100, 173, uh, an average of 24. Did get 70-odd mm. off about 30 balls towards the end of the competition, but 531 runs mm. in the T20 blast, 103 against Northampton, 118 not out against Worcestershire. Absolutely incredible. Problem for Australia, where did they go in batting? He scored all these runs at the top, but mm. when he scored in the big bash, he was batting at number four every single time. 350s in the big bash this year. Just a cracking player who mm. announced himself in red ball cricket this year as well. He's not just a white ball merchant. Yeah. 585 runs in the Sheffield Shield at 73 was absolute, just class. Mm. And I, I, I like, you, you said the emergence of Glenn Phillips. New Zealanders have known about Glenn Phillips since 2016 mm. when he averaged 50 in the Super Smash mm. out here. And since then, he's done all right for himself across the world. He's played in the Caribbean Premier League, the Bangladesh Premier League, mm. might have even played in Sri Lanka. I might just be making that last little bit up. <laughs> but he has played in, I'm looking at it, about 16 different countries. He's scored yeah. runs wherever he goes. And he sneakily got 25 T20 international caps to his name already. Mm. Um, and has, has done very well. I feel when I'm watching New Zealand play and I see Glenn Phillips coming in at number three mm. or number four, I'm like, the guy's got four arms the size of Popeye. This ball's going to go flying. <laughs> he's massive. Yeah. How old is he? Have you got it in front of you? I mean, he's, he's only in mid-20s, isn't he? Uh, the, reason, the reason I say that, it just feels yes. like he's on the verge of exploding onto the world's, world stage. There's a few cricketers out there. We'll talk about Liam Livingston in a bit, but there's just a few players that are relatively new names or at least... Yeah, names in the cricketing public probably know, yeah. but people, like the wider public, don't really, they're not really aware of. And Glenn Phillips just feels like one of those. He's a genuine all rounder as well. He's a batsman, he's wicket keeper, but he yes. prefers bowling these little tweakers as well, doesn't he? So <laughs> proper, proper all rounder. If you can do all three, you're 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 a good boy. Yeah, um, twenty four, Rich. He's twenty four. Twenty four. There he's you go. He already played forty CPL matches in the Caribbean, so he's been there time and time again, year <laughs> on year, mate. He's not daft then, is he? If he's playing 40 games in the Caribbean, good on him. <laughs> so, so, yeah, um, I'll, I'll let you jump on the bowlers in a minute. Just another bowler I just want to mention as well. Personally, for me, I'm really impressed. Not signed a young guy called Calvin Harrison uh, yeah. just before the start of this competition. He was on a trial after he played for um, uh, one of the universities against Knotts, scored 100 and did well. But he took 18 wickets at 13.94 with an economy rate of under seven. Um, he was also snapped up by Manchester Originals for the 100s, a late, late replacement. So what a year he's had so far. I'm really look, looking forward to seeing him back for knots. And I'll be at that game uh, later this week as well, taking the old man for his birthday. So that should be good. Um, yeah, just, I mean, Blake Cullen, I think he got himself a gig in the 100 as well. Uh, and the young Afghani Naveen will hack top in the shots with 26 is exceptional. And just yeah. any good news from Afghanistan at the moment, I think just needs to be embraced and uh, and amplified. So They've got some real talent at white ball. Oh. Huge talent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's probably one of the, you know, it's not particularly important in the grand scheme of things, but it, it does worry me what will happen to Afghanistan cricket um, in the coming years with, with yeah. what's obviously happening recently with, uh, with, uh, with the country. So let's just hope all a lot of these guys, if, if they want to, they can find homes um, where they're going to be comfortable and Af Afghanistan as a cricket team can continue um, yeah. going from strength to strength, but we shall see. Um, finals day, Rob, is scheduled for 18th of September and we'll be yeah. held at Edgebaston. You've heard me right. 18th of September. A little bit that like could it. that could be midwinter. 
That could uh, be in England. Winter. It feels like <laughs> so, Game of Thrones sort of dates where yeah. the, the wall's up, it's full of ice. Um, <laughs> I want to call out one more superstar of the campaign. Go mate. for it. And he's, he's Mr. TV over the years. He always performs. And it's, I know we're not boys, but Samit Patel has been absolutely amazing this competition. Give him, give him his proper name. It's Primetime Patel. Primetime Patel. 305 runs, average of 34, mm. 134 strike rate, 15 wickets at 6.67. What mm. makes that incredible is that he, he opens with that new ball every yep. single time. And it's not just scoring runs for scoring runs' sake. 64 not out against Derbyshire and two for 14 to mm. win the game. 63 not out to win the game against Leicestershire and three for four against Worcestershire with the best bowling figures in terms of bowling four overs ever in mm-hmm. T20 cricket, not the most amount of wickets, least amount of runs um, conceded. Just a, a level of consistency from someone that's, I think, the same age as me or maybe one year older, 36, <laughs> Evan. So I'm massively impressed. And the other one's Will Jacks. I think this... Yeah. T20 competition has been um, everyone stepping up and going, Will Jax is serious. Mm. He's serious talent. 393 runs, mm. average of 35, 170 strike rate. And he, mm. you, you see some people score at a 115, you're like, yeah, it's all right. But you see someone score at 170 and leather the ball into tomorrow. Mm. It's and just a huge amount of confidence flowing from him, no matter what he's doing. I, I really, really like him as a cricketer and it gives me the same feels the feels mm. inside 2021 i got the feels as i was watching liam livingston over the last year playing in the big bash and stuff like that i get the same confidence the same that i get from seeing joe clark go and perform across the world those guys are just a little bit better than some of the other things that are around them at hitting a cricket yeah. ball yeah, and like Phillips, we just feel like we're just waiting for them to explode, aren't we, onto the world stage. A um, couple of things on those guys. Will Jacks, wasn't he the guy in like a T10 or something that hit like a 20-ball 100 or something the other year? Wasn't that the first time we heard of him? There was some bizarre so. tournament. Yeah, I can't remember where it was now, but it was ridiculous. It yeah. must have been on a postage stamp he was playing. Um, but and, and Sammy Patel, I just want to make one comment on him. He's getting up in age now, late 30s. He's still doing it in all competitions. He did it in Big yeah. Bash. He's done it in the 100. When we get onto that, he was one of the players of the tournament in that. Yeah. Maybe his fitness wasn't as big a deal as England made out it to be. And he could he have been was. playing white ball cricket for all those years. Think yeah. about it, guy's hardly, hardly been injured. He's hardly missed a game of cricket. Yeah, you know, we can all have a bit of a laugh at him if he slips over and he's got a little bit of a you know, weakness for sausage rolls or whatever it is. <laughs> But, um, you know, come on. It, it, it's been proving to be utter, utter nonsense yeah. that England did not utilise one of the finest uh, white ball short form uh, players that this country's produced in a long, long time. Absolute travesty, in my opinion. Yeah. And yes, I'm a Knots fan, but also I just think as an England cricket fan, it's, it's been a waste. Just yeah. because, you know, he's got a few extra pounds on the old waistline, poor lad. Yeah. Um, but, you know, <laughs> who's got the last laugh now? <laughs> Still going strong. Still going strong. Oh, and before we before we move on, we've oh. had a competition going. Yes, we have. Wisdom Cricket put up a fantasy league. We set up our own fantasy league, which people came in their droves for. There's more than 50. There's about 65 people in the competition. The winner gets a T20 Blast shirt of the team of their choosing. Um, I'm in 46th. Wow. Where am I, Rob? 
you're not even on this list that I'm looking at, Rich. You're on I must the be on the page. I must be on the first page then, Rob. I must be on the first page. Um, I know where I'm not. I'm not near the top of the table. I know that because I know this who is it. really exciting. So hopefully we get to do more stuff like this in the future. Maybe one if they're doing one for the T20 World Cup. Yes, uh, national. Yeah. That'll be really good. As part of this, we are giving away a T20 shirt. So make sure you subscribe. Switch those bell notifications on to know when we're releasing videos, so you know when we're doing exciting stuff like this who's actually yes. winning this rich mark pearson uh, mark otherwise known Pearce. as sir wendell uh, 9556 9, points 200 points ahead of second place the ultimate assassins which is anu skoka and the t20 nerdlers tom lee in third spot that's is uh, i quite like in the in the top section though number seven there is warwickshire not birmingham bears <laughs> That's Patrick a, that's Greenfield a dance. Yeah, Patrick Greenfield's gone a little bit political there with the, uh, with, but he's not wrong. Let's put it. Let's put it right. Let's, he's not wrong. He's a. So yeah, Mark Pearson is in pole position. We've got the quarterfinals coming up and the finals day. I assume all of that is going to be part of it. So obviously, after finals day, we'll know who's won, and then we'll be in touch with whoever's winning. Just to, uh, or we'll, we'll probably have to get them to get in touch with us. Actually, not quite sure how we're going to do it the other way. Um, just to let us know what they want, and then we'll we'll get it sorted for them. But uh, yeah, it's fun, mate. I've 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 been tinkering like mad on it. Um, yeah, I've I'm doing going nowhere. Not well enough. I feel yeah. like I've I've created more damage as the tournament's gone along yes. than I've added value. But I've got to give a yeah. shout out to Mike's Mavericks, Michael Norwood. We've got sixty nine competitors, and he is number sixty nine. He's not just sixty nine. He's 69 by 900 points, so he may have joined the competition <laughs> late, but I feel like he should get sent a wooden spoon. So, Michael, get in contact <laughs> with us on Twitter at Leading Edge Pod, and I can send you a wooden spoon. <laughs> and for hopefully not all the way from New Zealand. It will cost a lot more for posters than the wooden spoon. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's fun. We'll see. We'll, we'll jump on that, obviously, after the quarterfinals and see where people are as well. We'll get an update. So, the 100, Rob, we're finally here for the 100. It's over. The inaugural 100 was played at Lords. The inaugural 100 final, should I say, was played at Lords between Birmingham, nothing to do with Warwickshire, but Birmingham Phoenix against the Southern Brave. Um, Phoenix, they finished top of the group stage. Uh, they did just pip Southern Brave and Trent Rockets. Um, with notable mention to Owen Morgan, a la what you were just talking about, 900 points adrift. Owen Morgan's <laughs> led London spirit finished in bottom spot with just the single win. Um, and they because they got a no result, they got three points. I saw some valid I'm, arguments about Owen Morgan's captaincy, and anyone other than England that he's captained, he's done a really poor job. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Well, I'm just quite re-quoting without looking at what some people have been saying on Twitter, and, and there is an argument for that. <laughs> but England are an exceptional team, and he he does a good job leading those yeah. people. We just find it fun just to, to have a go at him just because he refuses to pick Alex Hale. So that's that's where all our fun comes from with him. So anyway, so that's where things ended up. Um, basically, this meant that Moen Ali led Phoenix got a pass through to the final. And we had the start, Rob, of an IPL start eliminator, um, which was the Southern Brave against the Trent Rockets. And the Trent Rockets basically capitulated. They were skilled for 96. Yeah. Um, Southern closed the game out of 32 balls to spare. And emphatic, emphatic fashion. Um, jumping into the final, and then I'll sum up what's happened, Rob, and then we can talk about the final and the tournament as a whole. But for the final, a man-of-the-match knock of 61-36 from Irish smasher-in-chief Paul Sterling helped the Brave Post, 168 for five, which was always seemingly too much for the Birmingham Phoenix. Although a rapid cameo of 46 of 19 from leading run scorer and new superstar Liam Livingston made it interesting for a while. Um, basically, he... 
smashed one into the boundary. Yep. A bit of a misfield. Then it was a direct hit run out, which I thought this was fantastic on Twitter. Vitishan, um, oh, I should have practiced his name, sorry. I think he, does he write for Crick Info? Um, Ehantharaja. I apologize, Vitishan. Uh, but he said on Twitter that Liam Livingston's dismissal by run out was the cricketing equivalent of getting Al Capone on tax evasion. <laughs> I thought that was superb, absolutely superb. It was, it was looking for a moment as if, you know, some of those knocks and Liam Limbs in particular was going to go and take this game to them, you know, Superman cape on and all. Uh, but in the end, it's 32 run win for Southern Braves to cap off a successful, but potentially a little bit divisive um, inaugural hundred competition, Rob. Um, yeah. yeah. Thoughts overall, obviously thoughts on the final thoughts on the eliminator. If, yep. if there's any value in the eliminator and yep. also just the competition as a whole, mate. Um, I enjoyed the final. I've been, I've given my opinions in the past about a lot of the negatives about the competition, but I have enjoyed watching the highlights every single morning. Um, it's, it's, it's been good. And the cricket has been of a, a high quality, which has been real mm. nice. I enjoy the intensity. I enjoy the crowds. Still think that could have been achieved through the T20 and had been achieved through the T20. They've just put something that's 20 balls shorter and stuck it on free to air TV. Anyway, anyway. Paul, Paul Sterling's <laughs> not was exceptional. Everyone likes Paul Sterling. One, because he's Irish. Two, he smacks it. And three, he doesn't look like a stereotypical cricketer. He looks like a stereotypical club cricketer. And I really, I, really, I really appreciate watching him smash the ball around. Ross, mm. Ross Whiteley was absolutely insane. Adam Milne, Kiwi, backup member of the oh, T20 amazing. squad, was incredible. Two for eight off 20 overs, opening with the new ball. And I have a new favourite cricketer. Yes. Tim David. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned him. I was going to mention him as well. Sorry, first time I saw him, he rocked up. He was playing the Royal London League for Surrey against Notts, basically that second 11 competition, which we're going to just sum up very briefly at the end of this podcast. He's a unit. What is he, Singaporean? 6'5", six, six, Singaporean international. Smashed Raised 140 in- against Warwickshire, 102 yep. against Gloucestershire. Got called into this game, only scored 15, but smacked two massive didn't even, sixes. Didn't even have time to get his name and number printed on his shirt. Oh, That's how new he was. Rocked incredible. straight in. Yeah. And then David Beddingham caught second ball from a diving catch from a six foot five whale at point. Absolutely brilliant. And, th- and then he's the man that gets the direct hit from the boundary to get Livingston <laughs> out. I'm just like, what a man. Singapore's number one export. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you now, I need to do a team. All I can think about with this is like, I need to do a team of like the best team in the world of all the nations that aren't like the big 10 or 12 test nations. Yeah, You know, you've got like um, Sandeep Lamichan from Nepal, mm. Tim David from Singapore. I'm, I need to do that now. I don't know why. Yeah. I think it's just one of those things I need to, I, I'm good at procrastinating. So I need to be, do give, associate give me a level. task. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, he's immense. I'm so glad you mentioned him. Um but yeah, I thought the final was fun. I played cricket on Saturday and it was raining and it was a horrible day and I wish it had been called off. And it, it culminated in basically one of the opposition batsmen towards the end threatening to like take out take a couple of our lads into a car park. That's how crap the day of cricket was. Yeah. One of those where I was about ready to walk off the field. It was that pathetic. So it gave me a little bit, it just gave me like, you know, just a cleansing experience to watch the 100 at the end of the day and watch all the fanfare. I'm not overly into it all, but it was just so lovely at the end of the day to come home, have a beer, get a bit of food and yeah. just watch some nice cricket, some exciting cricket. Crowd were into it. Everyone just seemed to love it. 
Um, it's, it's, it's cricket has a way of doing that to you. You know, sometimes at your lowest point, you find something that just brings you forward. Um, and cricket did that again with a hundred. So, you know, all, all credit and all love to it for that. Um, it was a shame to see, to not see Moen Ali, um, be the winning captain, in my opinion, but Birmingham Phoenix did top the group, uh, with six wins. They won more than anybody else. Um, but credit where, you know, credit where it belongs, you know, they, they deserved it, didn't they? In the end, the Southern, the Southern, the brave, I don't know. How do you... How do you say these names? So Southern Brave, they all look like crisps. Um, mm. Yeah, good. For all the negatives I had about the competition three weeks ago when we caught up or whatever it was, um, I still have those negative ideas. I think the biggest issue that I've got with it is it's completely negated the rest of English cricket and put everything yeah. else on the back burner. But the positives that I can see is free-to-air TV. It's a fun... It so, is a fun easy to understand format and it's on national TV. And whenever I speak to friends in the UK, that's got kids, they are, my kids love it. That's good. That's, that's gotta be goal achieved of what they've tried to do. Now the goal is, I'll get to one negative in a second. Now the goal is how do we fit that in um, nationally on a, a scale that works with our, incredibly insane schedule that we have for the country one negative they posted on twitter going what are you guys going to do what do you do now there's nothing to do until the 100 starts again next year it was something along those lines i think that was deleted quite sharpish as well wasn't it yeah i was like yeah idiots i was like that's arrogant it's idiotic and a bit of a dick move and i didn't appreciate that i appreciate you've done really well and you're really happy and people have enjoyed it they'll be back and there'll be more kids watching next year and families in the crowd. So that's good. But for me, the whole point of this competition is to bring people into cricket. Yes. Now, cricket is a multi-format sport. So if you can get people in the gateway drug, let's call it, of 100, you can then get them progressing onto the more hardcore stuff down the road until they become a complete <laughs> test match junkie. Probably not the best way of describing it. But you, you take my point. You take my point. You know, I love it. It's the best point I've ever heard. It's the gateway drug to cricket. I'm going to tweet that after this. Test match cricket is definitely the one that's like, you know, you're stuck in your room, aren't you? Just, you know, <laughs> no, I won't go down that path any further. But that's what it should be. It shouldn't yes. be about just exclusively it's the 100, it's the 100 and nothing else. It yeah. should be the 100. What an amazing competition. Right. Make sure you all start watching the T20 next week. And we've also got an incredible test match coming up in the next week as well strap yourselves in that's how it should be done maybe it's just a you know admin or whatever you know just employed by a marketing agency but they definitely got that one wrong but let's not detract it's been a pretty good tournament free to air yes but i i honestly think there needed to be more free to air yeah uh, or at least get it on youtube if you want to get kids involved get it on youtube get every yeah. single game live on youtube sod you know sky i'm sorry you know it, it needs to be out there for as many people as possible uh, the schedule obviously needs to get changed they need to make sure they're not knocking a 50 over competition to the background yeah. um which england are world cup champions you know world champions of for me the only way this competition will be an absolute success is basically if, if other countries take on the concept yeah and i think england basically want the way they're looking at this, this investment is if other countries take it on, they will be paid basically yeah, for it. They've copyrighted the hundred. Yeah. The Which the T20, they, did, they didn't they did do, did they? England yeah. started the T20 and it's gone all the way around the world and England have a pretty good product, but it's not as good, obviously, as the Big Bash and obviously the IPL. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Some notable con- contributions, leading run scores, obviously Liam Livingston, superstar 
that he is at the moment. He's going to go around the world with his white ball, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, ben Duckett um, came behind uh, for Welsh Fire. James Vince of ex-England obviously had a good summer. Um, so far, he had 100 early on in the summer for England and Moen Ali. Um, few other bats, few, few other people I'm sure you'll want to bring into making a name for themselves, but also just leading wicket takers. I just want to mention 12 wickets apiece for Adam Milner. You mentioned Martin Delang, another mustachioed uh, seamer, quick boy. Yeah. Um, and then the uh, the Rashids, Adil Rashid for Northern Superchargers and Rashid Khan for Trent Rack- Rockets, all 12 wickets apiece. There's um, a, give, there's me a a theme. give me a few more names. There's mm-hmm. a theme there, mate. Adam Milner and Martin Delang are the two fastest bowlers in the competition. And Rashid and Rashid are the two best spinners in the competition. So yeah. fast, full, and um, leg spin always works. Um, yeah. yeah, a couple of names. Glenn Phillips popped up again. I thought he was pretty consistent mm. throughout. So scored at a 147 strike rate. Harry Brook, the Yorkshire young lad, scored runs in the T20 blast, scored runs alongside Joe Root in that competition, which... Yeah, he's must making be, a name for himself. Mm. Yeah, he's mm. starting to get his name bandied around, a bit like a Will Jacks, but um, 189 runs mm. at 47 with a 154 strike rate. Mm. Will Smead, 166 at 33, and Joss Inglis was spoken about... 173 yeah. runs at 24, all very, very good players. George Garton, who got a couple of wickets in the final as well, 10 wickets yep. in the competition, been called up to the England squad. Don't think he's played for England, but no, he's, he's again, he's doing the right things with the right audience, with the right players, with the yeah. right colour ball to play for England at Test Cricket in a week's time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got an interesting point for about George Garton. He was called up in the summer, wasn't he? For I can't remember if it was if it was his cover or if it was the squad. That, I think it was just his cover. Yeah. Um, but Owen Morgan's come out and said something ridiculous, like they don't want to give people just one game. It's not fair on this asset for the future and blah blah blah. So I'm sure George Garton, when he was in the squad, and if he was there for you know, I think he was probably not playing. But then in the third and final game, I think we were all saying at the time, just play the guy. Yeah, give him an opportunity. Oh, because it's the third one. We don't want to give him a game. Ridiculous, ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Yeah, just play the guy. Play the guy. I'm just looking at my notes as well. Actually, it's remarkable that he took ten wickets in the hundred because he apparently is a two-year-old Sussex left armour. Um, but clearly, my <laughs> notes are a little bit inaccurate there with his age. I'm guessing he's twenty, uh, but that's that's irrelevant. So, um, Jake Lintart as well, twenty-eight-year-old Warwickshire spinner. This is the this is the competition that yes. you know, because of the lack of overseas players, the likes of Jake Lintart has has been given opportunity. Uh, Blake Cullen as well with ten wickets, a nineteen-year-old Middlesex seamer. These guys, either young or older county players, have been given opportunity. Benny Snell's of this world. They would not have probably have been playing this if if it wasn't for the the huge dropouts from overseas because of COVID. Um, so there's a few more for you. Yeah, a good good competition, mate. Mm. I think from the men's competition to where we're going now to the women's mm. competition, I think the women have benefited more from having this competition from this exposure and possibly getting more people in to play the game and also making yes. them stars. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. I mean, I, was, I, I want to say arguably, but I don't think arguably. I think the biggest yeah. success of the 100 is, is definitely the positive impact it's had on the women's game. Salary gap aside, yep. and that's obviously something that needs yep. correcting going forward. It's it inexcusable because you cannot have these women having to give up or have time off work where they're probably losing money with how little some of them are being paid. Um, you, you know, the TV networks are making money, sponsors are making money, 
the grounds are making money, the franchise are making money, pay these women. Um, but the eyes on the game in stadiums and TVs open up the game to so many new fans. And I think most importantly, inspiring and encouraging the young girls to get involved with the game of cricket. Um, I want to see more. We've, you know, in the team I play for, we've played against a girl that plays for one of our local teams, you know, in the same league this year. She's been opening the bowl in, I think she's only like 14 or so, you know, exceptional. I, I, forgive me, I, I forgot her name just for the moment, but it's great to see it. And that's in a relatively good standard of Saturday cricket. So more and more, get out there. The girls can do it. They can come and play men's cricket in club cricket as well. Just, just you know, if, you, if you've got a daughter, get them down to your local cricket club next summer. Yes. Um, yep. if, whether it's Blue Bats or whether it's Hardball, get them down there, get playing. Uh, as for the competition, Southern Brave almost made it two for two, Rob, but they fell short just the final, which saw the Oval Invincibles, rightly named in the women's tournament, uh, crowned champions after a 48-run win in the final. Thanks in large part to South Africa all-rounder Marizanne Camp, who claimed a player of the match with 26 yeah, first-season runs. Hitting the ball well, yeah, and a sensational four for nine off for 18 balls. Yep. Um, like the men's game, the champs were the eliminated winner. So that's interesting to look for, uh, forward with next year. Um, the winners as well, the Invincibles, can also boast leading wicket-taker in Tash Farrant with 18 wickets and leading run scorer in the competition with South African Dane Van Nierkirk with 259 runs at 43 with strike rate of 105. Just to say what a great day they had. Marizanne Camp, Dane Van Nierkirk, married. What a great couple. I mean, there's, there's probably not a better power couple in world cricket at the moment. Uh, than I those. have no so, idea. Player of the match and leading run scorer in the competition. That's, oh. I don't think, there's not many people, there's not many households are going to take on those two. Um, oh, exceptional. Got to also mention as well in the leading run scorer um, rankings, uh, Dane Van Nierke, she just pipped the Indian rising star in 20-year-old Jemima Rodriguez, who was just a few runs short of that total. I think she had 242, but she also had a strike rate a dominant strike rate of 150.9. Absolute superstar in the making. Mm. Yeah, class competition for the women, mate. I really enjoyed the women's final. It was it was more, I felt there's more passion in the women's matches than there were the men's. And it, it's mm. not something that you can tangibly kind of go, oh yeah, this was a seven, this was an eight. But it felt like it meant so much more um, to, to the women winning than it did the men. And mm. that's just how I perceived it and how it came across to me. I thought um, Van Nierkirk was great throughout the competition. I saw about a few times, um, real stalwart, gets stuck in, steadied the in several times for this team and kind of got them on the straight and narrow. But Cap's opening spell was exceptional. She bowled mm. 10 balls straight through at the start, was brilliant. Got Danny Wyatt out. We know how good Danny Wyatt can mm. be international cricket. And he got Gabby Lewis out, got Sophia Dunkley out. She was ripping through them. It was just <laughs> um, a wonderful, wonderful performance from what, what from what I've seen. And I only watched the highlights of the games because different time zones, yeah. so like 15-minute packages, from what I saw, was the best team in the competition for me and probably the one that I gravitated to more for whatever reason. So that feels awesome. good. Good. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll be honest, I didn't really get a team. I know Trent Rocket should have been mine at Trent Bridge. There's quite yeah. a few knots players in there. But I don't know what it was, but there just wasn't a pull to a particular team for me uh, in that competition. So um, whether that's a good thing, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm an example of one, so it probably means absolutely nothing. Uh, and I'm definitely not the target market for this competition anyway. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's been, it's been really good kind of keeping an eye on it. Um, not seeing as much as I'd quite had a light, but it's been, it's been good. Um, 
I've also been looking at the, the Royal London. I have been watching a bit of that. Even That's the only game of cricket I've actually visited and gone yeah. to see so far this year was a one-day competition at Royal London. So, so let's just quickly wrap that one up as well on the back of the 100. Um, Glamorgan, this second 11 competition has allowed some of these counties that probably weren't as impacted. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. But Glamorgan, underdog Glamorgan, first trophy since 2004, have won this year's 50-over uh, one-day cup competition, and they beat Durham. Glamorgan and Durham both topped their respective groups. Um, in the semi-finals, Glamorgan overcomes Surrey, thanks to star turn from Joe Cook, another man making a name for himself. Five for 61 before 66 not out, seeing them over in there, and Durham beat Essex. Um First off, before we get into the final and how it went, just any thoughts on the competition as a whole? Um, obviously being pushed to the background of the calendar uh, and and obviously the vocal, but at least we did have a lot of YouTube coverage. I, th- I thought it was a bit farcical, mate. I, I really mm. did. Um, and, you know, you know, it probably wasn't originally planned like this. Let's be honest. The world's turned upside down in 18 yeah. months. The 100 got cancelled one year and then it's like, it's got to go this year. There'll be sponsorship contracts down on the paper and it's got to go this year so i'm not blaming the hundred however it it is the problem child that's come in that caused this overcrowdedness in a short period of time Mm. it just made it farcical as a an english cricket fan that lives down in new zealand Mm. i i just didn't i i really loved this competition Mm. but i didn't feel it i didn't get to see it it was yeah it wasn't on TV. The hundred was no. on TV. That was on TV for me every single day if I wanted to watch it. Yeah, but this mm. just just wasn't. And I thought that was a little sad. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it shouldn't take away from. I mean, it's been a great opportunity for so many young players, and it, you, we've got to see the silver linings in these competitions, haven't we? Yes, it's we, we we've just stated all the criticisms of it, rightly so. Of sorry, the criticisms of what's happened to it yeah. uh, and why it's happened. But the the silver linings are that a lot of players have been given debuts. A lot of young players have been given opportunity. Um, a lot of players that maybe weren't getting opportunity in county cricket have, have drifted back in. The, you know, Players have had to be signed up to fill squads. COVID has impacted squads. So there's players getting opportunity that could mean that they can get a professional contract next year. Yeah. Yeah. Or young players will get their first proper professional contract for next season so it's really good for me in that respect it also just started the competition we saw Hasib Hamid score 100 in his first uh, list a game and then he went off and played against India in a warm-up and got 100 so that's what moved him into the the England setup so we shouldn't undermine it but you know Glamorgan as well they probably wouldn't start this competition if it was fully strength teams they probably wouldn't have been thinking they're going to win this one. So they're absolutely stoked. Mm. There's a star in the making as well for Glamorgan that was the man of the match in this game as well, and that's skipper Kieran Carlson. Um, I think he was man of the match. But, yeah, he's 23. He's been awesome in first-class cricket this year. He struck 82 as Glamorgan posted 296 for nine with three wickets apiece for Durham for Matty Potts and Ben Rain. Um, Durham were dismissed with 238. Disappointing for them. Graham Clark has been the absolute master smasher of this competition. He got 40. Aussie Cam Bancroft, 55. Number 84 from Sean Dixon. But wickets kept tumbling. Andrew Salter, I think he's a Scottishman, isn't he? Scottish man. Um, playing three wickets with Lucas Gary and Joe Cook. Again, that man, Joe Cook, two each. Um, it's really notable. This is the fine. We talk about young players, but the game was won with the wicket. Michael Hogan, 40-year-old Michael Hogan, claimed the wicket of 37-year-old Chris, Chris Rushworth to claim, <laughs> claim the trophy for the Welshman. I thought that was just a quite a fun way of uh, ending the tournament, uh, considering how much it was about young players. Yeah, yeah, I do I do like that. And I do agree with what you say. It does create opportunities. 
And it's it's given us the chance to see players like Sir Alistair Cook play one day cricket and yeah, score us four hundred runs. Yeah, yeah. incredible mm. for the man. Um, yeah. Well, fair, fair play to Glamorgan. They're not a, a trophy hunting team year on year. Nice to see them get some trophy trophies going on. Good to see Hamish Rutherford, the Kiwi, getting mm. get, getting a trophy and, and yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. It just it, it's it's just feels like it's just had the excitement sucked out of it for me and I don't know if that's just me because I'm so far away from it but no it, no I, you're right I see it as shame it, you're absolutely right mate I mean I've been to two Lords finals for this competition we're not um one was a 40 one was a 50 but obviously the same pretty much same thing and it's it was a, a great time you know Lords final almost towards the end of the summer um, so how to see it so relegated is really disappointing. Obviously, for people that aren't English based or um, you know they have their county teams, etc., it probably doesn't seem as important. But for us over here, it's, uh, it used to be the Sunday League Cup, didn't it? Originally, and all that yeah. sort of stuff. So yeah, there's a great cool. tradition around it. Um, we can't have every piece of cricket continuing all the time. Mm. There has to be. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. Something's got to give. Um, and it just worries me that some of these traditional tournaments like the 50-over tournament and potentially four-day championship cricket are the ones that are, at the moment are in the crosshairs of the, um, the administrators of the English game. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that would really, really hurt England English cricket if we factor it back to international cricket, because obviously you have the test side and the one-day side. Um, unless they're going to get rid of one-day cricket, which they're not going to do anytime soon, we need to make sure we're creating players for that. And the 100 is great, but the 100 will not create cricketers. Yeah. They'll not produce cricketers. They might create superstars, but they will not produce cricketers that are going to become the superstars. Yes. Same as county cricket. Different they produce, game. Different. Yeah, they completely different game. 50 overs is, uh, it's still a war of attrition over 50 overs. It's still very, very tactical. Yeah. You, you could come in with two wickets, Dan, get yourself to 60 before you go, and you put yourself mm. in a, your team in a completely different situation, whereas the 100 is just about going. And mm. if it all falls apart, you might solidify for 60 balls in the middle. But this you might build, you might knock around the spinners, you might target a bowler in the 23rd over. It's it's a completely different game. It's a yeah. it's a different skill set of cricket. And it worries me where it's going to end up in five years' time. It worries me what that whole window or English game's going to look like in five years' mm. time. You know, you, you could... I'm not saying this is going to happen or I want mm. it to happen. You could end up with this being almost a second team competition. You could yes. end up with county cricket being played over two days and each team have got a, a day to bat oh, or God, it becomes man. three days where yeah. it's, um, oh. you know, each team bats once, whoever scores the most wins or if you bowl <laughs> a team out twice, it's a bit like, I don't know, like, like a two day weekend cricket at club cricket level in Australia yeah. or something like that. Yeah. No idea what's going to change the no. game, but it, as a traditionalist, it's, mm. um, it's, it's not ideal. No. Well, let's kick that can down the road for, for another time. Mate. I'm sure there'll be time before we get to next summer where we'll have a bit more of an awareness of what the intent is for next summer mm -hmm. when we start seeing the fixtures. Uh, yes. And then we can certainly pick the bones out of that. But what we do know is there needs to be a better way of, of producing cricket this summer. We yeah. spoke about, didn't we? There were some counties, if they weren't in the T20 quarterfinal um, or if they weren't in the, the knockout, whatever, for uh, the Royal Under, they wouldn't have any cricket for about 18 days over August, yeah. uh, which is absolutely nonsensical. Um, just, I just want to mention a couple of people. Joe Cook, 18 wickets for Somerset in his first list day action. He hadn't played before this tournament. He was a leading wicket taker. Um, with the batting, Graham Clark hit 300s in this competition. 
on his way to 646 runs in nine innings. Um, hell of a player, making a name for himself. Any other time, he would become a well-known guy. Uh, it's quite ridiculous. And also, my new, basically, the new Nick Gubbins in my eyes, Alex Lees, um, yes. star man with 560 runs for Durham as well. Um, I'm not giving up hope of one of these guys I'm picking for England is going to get there eventually. Lees might. Eventually. Lees might. He's having a great county season. He scored Sorry. runs in white ball cricket. He's, he's ticking yeah. boxes. It is, but I've not got a track record. Bell Drummond. I was on the Bell Drummond train. Yeah. The Gubbins train. Yeah, that, that derailed. On, and the Lees, Lees train. I, I've not got a great track record, but I believe in all those boys still. Anyway, last but yeah. not least, Rob, we're talking about the traditionalist side of things. Red ball cricket, Rob. We've just got to quickly say that we have the return just to keep people in the know of what's happening. A little bit of a crib sheet, really, isn't it? You don't need to go and look at this. We'll tell you quickly what's happening. Return of the county championship. We had the successful group stage, obviously, but now it returns on the 30th of August for the first round of the division stage. So I'm going to run through this rapidly. You're paying attention. Go on. Right. So the team's now split off into three divisions with the six teams in Division 1 fighting it out for the first try to win the division and be crowned county champions. Okay. The top two teams will then go on to play the Bob Willis Trophy final at Lords from t- September the 27th to October the 1st. <laughs> Sounds freezing. Um, so what happened basically, Notts and Warwickshire, are, uh, they came from Group 1. Somerset and Hampshire from Group 2. Lancashire and Yorkshire from Group 3. Yep. Division 2, I'm not going to go into who's Division 2 and Division 3. Yep. Let's, let's not worry about that, okay? But how it's going to work, so each team will play four games, but will not play against the team who was in their first stage group. So for example, Notts, won't play Warwickshire, but they will play Somerset, Hampshire, Lancashire and Yorkshire, okay? So earlier matches between the two sides in the same group will count towards the eventual outcome as half the points from those fixtures will be carried forward. Are we paying attention? Are we still following what I'm saying? This is bizarre. I don't know why they're trying to make it so complicated. (laughs) So, for example, Warwickshire earned 42 points in their two games against Nottinghamshire, so they will carry 21 forward. However, not only... Uh, had 10 points in those two games, so they will only carry forward five. Does that make sense? That's a very strange rule. You you could just say, you <laughs> Notts got 40 points against Warwickshire, take 40 points forward, and Warwickshire got 10, take 10 forward. I don't know. I don't know what the thinking is behind this. Um, it is what it is, but this is what we're up against, all right? So, obviously, those teams that did well against the other team are going to get a head start. Simple as that. Yeah, it's all to play for four games to go and then like I say we have the final but the actual county champion will be the team that finishes top of division one before they go to the Super Bowl to finish off the Bob Willis trophy (laughs) pretty much basically pretty much so I'm I'm really looking forward to the return of that Um, the 100 that we spoke about has been fantastic Royal London I've enjoyed in the background it's created it's become like the feeder league for the 100 Tim David went and smashed a couple of hundreds 150 strike rate, and then found himself playing a final uh, at Lords in the 100. So it, it has had its place, hasn't it? T20 is coming back this week. I can't wait to get to Trent Bridge. The first time I've been in Trent Bridge in over two years. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, anything else before we wrap up, Rob? I, I don't know if there's anything else on the horizon. I'm sure there's loads. I know there's test cricket being played around the world, but yes. there's only so much you can talk about. There is. That's a pretty good assessment of everything that's going on in the world at this given time outside of politics. I I think we've done a pretty good job there, mate. Um, England in the year. Yep. Can't wait for the third test match starts on a Wednesday. You look at it and you go, that's an odd day. But for me, I actually quite like that because it means I've got (laughs) more time to watch it during the 
day while I'm working from home down in lockdown so I can just have Love it on it. the screen and, and watch it the next day um, and do the ball by the ball rather than watching highlights. So it works pretty good for me. Um, but yeah, can't wait for the uh, the third test. It's a biggie. Um, it feels Massive. to me like India are a little peeved off with going under the radar a little too long and being a mm. little bit too little brother sort of syndrome. And now they're yeah. a juggernaut and they've got depth and they've got a good squad. They've got a great team mm. and we're in for an absolute belter of a third test. So me and Rich will be back for that when it's when it's on. Can't wait to get back on. You guys have been really awesome with your comments yeah. and providing feedback on the England team and uh, how the great one was someone picked up Johnny Bairstow should be wicket-keeping because he does better with the wicket-keeping gloves than without. And it's like, yes, he does. Yeah. Yes. He scores runs with the gloves. Yeah. I'm, I'm still not certain that England team. I, I still have a, a feeling that Bairstow might get those gloves back at some point. <laughs> I, I just wonder. I just wonder. Is it, it'd be interesting. It depends how Indi- England want to play it. If they want to keep this needle going and this niggle, which is playing into India's hands, keep Butler in the team. But if you want to just remove one of the flashpoint players, yeah. it might make sense to remove Butler from, from proceedings and just bring a, a a player from the outside in. I don't know. We shall find out very soon anyway. We can't wait for it, Rich. Good podcast. Great chat. Great growth on the channel, guys. Mm. So keep subscribing and watching. And uh, yeah, we're going to see you guys next time. Goodbye from Rob. Goodbye from Rich. Cheerio.